0: Leading a fashion business in today's ever-changing economic background takes a multitude of skills, along with guts, instinct and energy. In the Industry.Fashion's In Conversation podcast, we talk to the people who are in possession of all of those qualities and more, including those who have set up their own businesses or those who have risen to the top of fashion businesses, large and small. We delve into the background of these leaders' careers, find out what drove them to success, what continues to motivate them and what their ambitions are for the future. We also get their take on how they see the industry developing, along with their advice for those wishing to follow in their footsteps. Klaus Lindorf began his career in finance in London before moving into advertising in Paris, where he founded an agency specialising in fashion and luxury brands, with clients including Louis Vuitton, Georges Armani, Gilles Sander and Lacoste. Then, in 2012... He created his own brand, Rondorf, starting out with just five basic pieces. The brand's statement, Tees and Sweats, have been popular from the start, but upgrading menswear staples across sportswear, loungewear, and underwear have been the real key to Rondorf's growth. And now, Lindorf says they are taking their swimwear offer to another level. He tells the Industry.Fashion's contributing editor, Tom Bottomley, all about his past, what made the brand a success and what lies ahead for the business.
1: Hi, Klaus. Thanks for joining us
2: on our podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.
1: Just want to get the uh, the Rondorf story, really. When did you uh, founder the brand and initially with, with what products?
2: Uh, we founded the brand back in 2012-13, so it's a little bit more than 10 years ago. Um, I did that with a, a friend of mine who was in advertising, just like myself, and um, his name was Jérôme Tour. My name is Klaus Lindorf. We took the end of our two family names and it became Ron and Dorf. And he's from Paris. I'm from Stockholm. So that's why it says Rondorf, Paris, Stockholm. And the two O's in Ron and in Dorf became the double islets that is now the signature of the brand. But all this went back in 2012. Um, and we launched early 2013 with a little store, literally a hole in the wall in the Marais in the Paris, with five products: a T-shirt, a sweatshirt, a pair of exercise shorts for the for the gym, uh, a swim trunk, and a pair of sneakers. And that was it, basically.
1: So, how has it grown since then? The product offer. I mean, it was very much about the statement T-shirts and sweatshirts, wasn't it initially?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we we launched with discipline is not a dirty word because we launched in the French market. And as you know, the French are not known for being very disciplined or liking the word discipline. You could just look at the general strike in France right now. It's a total circus. So the discipline is not a dirty word was a leitmotiv we thought was pretty funny and a bit bit, um, provocative. And it was meant just for the launch, but it turned out to become a bestseller. And then it's been with the brand ever since. And it's become the leitmotif of the brand and also in the beginning we did a lot of other prints and um, but that was 10 years ago and, 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 and it was something that people liked a lot and more and more people have moved away from prints and from words and funny things so we're also doing less and less and what we keep, tend to keep now is this discipline is not a dirty word because people love it and then also of course the dad print which is the, the the most successful print we've had in, in uh, over the last couple of years
1: and why would you say that is
2: well, I think fashion changes. I mean, first of all, I think in France they, since they see all the prints in English, they still like it a lot because uh, it's not their language. So it's also graphic how it's done. It's done in a in a, in a very simple way. I think in England and in the US uh, and those two markets have become very important to us. People don't want to run around looking like sandwich men with text on their on their on, on their chest. So as our market has evolved towards the Anglo-Saxon markets, I think the prints with these words have also become less important because it's a different taste.
1: But you say the dad print and the the, uh, papa, is it papa print? It's also very popular.
2: Yeah, the dad print we've had around for three, four years, and um, it's so funny because I never thought it would work. Uh, People love it because people wear it. I mean, even girls wear it. I don't know how and why. But uh, you have people who are, or guys who are dads and who have children, who don't have children. Um, I, it seems like people see loads of different things in this word, dad. And uh, it's a palindrome as well. So you read it from both ways. So it's a, there's kind of like a clever thing there. And um, it's become the bestseller in the UK and in the States. And then, of course, with the collaboration with Neil Patrick Harris last year, who's been a loyal client for a long time, And we met up and we decided to make a collection together. And that collection was a dad collection since he's a father. Uh, But he said, actually, my children don't call me dad. They call me papa. So I said, "Well, well, we'll just include papa as well. And that became the dad papa collection, which has been a capsule collection over the last six months. But it was literally just for these six months and a collaboration with NPH where we also had a, a charity donation to World Central Kitchen from that from the sale of that collection. So the Papa is no longer with us. We've gone back to just using Dad.
1: So obviously things like that really helped to establish your brand and get your name out there. How would you say you're, you've grown the business since that early start with just those five products?
2: Well, I think it's very interesting to see how the market has changed. And that has also pulled uh, whether we want it or not. You know, sometimes it just happens. Um, we started as a niche gym wear brand. So basically to get some simple, well cut, top quality pieces when you go to the gym. Uh, very quickly, it, we realized that a lot of the pieces we made, people wore them outside the gym or to and from the gym rather than in the gym and became more and more a lifestyle brand. Uh, We then saw COVID coming and uh, there was a big change in how people dressed when they went to work. And basically, when you don't go to work, when you sit at home uh, and you do Zoom calls from morning to evening, you can't sit there in a suit, uh, shirt and tie. It looks a bit stupid uh, when you sit in your bedroom. Um, So people started buying a lot of our, our collection and wear it for work as well. So it's gone from gym wear to sportswear to literally You can wear it to work off work during the weekend whenever you want to. So it's become more, I would say, a lifestyle brand, but very much depending on or thanks to or due to uh, how people have changed their lifestyles and how they work and how they live over the last, I would say, the last five years.
1: So would you say um, you had good
2: timing? Well, we can say we were lucky because, I mean, most people wouldn't say that COVID was a great time. But in terms of our numbers, we went up, you know, we had an increase of 50% in sales per year from 20 to 22. So I'm not complaining. Of course, it was a hor- horrid time for all of us. But in terms of how people changed and the pattern in how people dress, yes, we were lucky and we were there at the right time at the right place.
1: And is it all menswear or, or do you do womenswear as well or do women wear the menswear?
2: Well, we, uh, I would say it's a unisex, well, of course, it's a menswear brand. But as you know, more and more women wear, I mean, everything becomes unisex. And I think that people, especially women, uh, we, we said we would never want to do a Rondorf pour femme or Rondorf for women. We have a sub-brand called His For Her that I love because this is the idea of a woman who goes into her boyfriend's closet and takes his favorite sweater and, wear it and wears it. And that um, sub-brand will be used uh, more and more especially in a collaboration we're doing with a women's and children's brand next year. Uh, but overall, today, I would say 15 to 20% of people who buy at Rondorf are women. And they don't buy to the, only for their boyfriends. They buy for themselves as well because the cut is works both for women and for men. And
1: in terms of stores, how many Rondorf stores do you currently have in
2: total? Well, I think, first of all, the most important thing is, of course, this is, I I hate the word omnichannel. It's like 360 degrees that everybody used five years ago. Now everybody's talking omnichannel. But I think it is true that we are, it's the the priority for the brand is the online channel. And then we have our own stores as support for that, because I think it's extremely important to have a physical presence where people can go in and feel and feel the products and, and see the brand living in another environment than online. We have stores in Berlin, Paris, London, uh, New York now. And we're opening in Los Angeles in May. And we're opening in, in Miami in September. So we have a, a total of eight stores. And we're basically planning to keep it at that level because that will cover the big cities where we are sold today, which are, of course, the, the capitals of you know so Paris, London, uh, New York, LA, and, and Berlin as well. So the extremely big cities and also because we have a very urban target. In London, we only have one store. It's the one in Earlham Street in Seven Dials, so just between Covent Garden and uh, Soho. And that store has been with us since 2016, so for quite a while. Um, and that's the only one we have. Then we have occasional pop-ups. We're planning to have a Christmas pop-up this year from October till February. Um, we had a pop-up in Regent Street, a big one, for, for Christmas a couple of years ago. And we're looking at doing that again because it worked really well uh, for this year. But permanently, we only have one store, and that's the one in, in, in Erlem Street.
1: And would you say Randolph is, is just direct-to-consumer, or do you have a, a wholesale business as, as well?
2: No, it's mostly direct-to-consumer. I think wholesale is something like 15%. It's very much for us a strategy of being in the right place in the uh, at and, and in the right place, not only in the store, but also geographically. And I think we want to be seen where people can wear us. So, for example, in terms of wholesale, it's more important, for example, to have a wholesale client in St. Bart and in Mykonos than to have somebody in, uh, uh, let's say, God knows what, I'm not going to get nasty here, but it's like uh, to be in Lyon or in Marseille. So, for example, in the UK, we are not all over the UK. We are uh, the, the biggest client we have in the UK, is Harrods And it's, of course, a very important uh, client for us because it's a great exposure to the brand, not only for Londoners or Eng- uh, people from England, but for people from all over the world.
1: We'll be back for more In Conversation after this short
0: ad break. Department stores are more than simply shops selling a multitude of goods in separate departments. They are an intrinsic part of our social and cultural fabric. The industry.fashion has teamed up with Corner for Business to provide an in-depth insight into the past and future of this most resilient of retail formats. In our latest in-depth report, The Department Store Reimagined, we celebrate the history of this long-standing retail format, explore how leading department stores are adapting and innovating to create compelling omni-channel formats, Investigate how other retailers are adopting department store characteristics, proving the continued appeal of a multi-brand curated offer. Plus, read our timeline taking you through the key landmarks in the history of department stores, from the late 18th century to today. Download your free copy at theindustry.fashion.
1: And what is the uh, Mykonos Boy Collection and how did that partnership materialise?
2: Well, um, Jackio, which is like the biggest uh, owner of beaches and restaurants and nightclubs in Mykonos, they contacted us three, four years ago and asked if we could do a collaboration because they liked the brand a lot. Um, so we designed the uniforms for their teams on the beach, uh, first of all, and we also did all the beach towels. And that worked really well, and we became the number one brand sold by Jackio in their store in Mykonos. So since then, we're doing a collection uh, every year where we dress their staff on the beach, in the restaurants in town, the nightclub, the yacht club, etc. And then this year, it's coming out in May. We're doing a collection called Mykonos Boy, which is signed by Rondorf and Jackio, and it will be sold exclusively. In our stores, online Rondorf online, and of course a O's big store in Mykonos. So that's and it's called Mykonos Boy because of course it's um it's all about Mykonos and uh, the people going transiting through that island during the summer months.
1: Sure. And what's the uh, TBD Eyewear Limited Edition Partnership Collection?
2: Well, I think overall, uh, we don't try to do everything. Uh, what, we, what we can do, uh, what we do well, we do well. And what we don't know how to do, we do it with people we can associate or we can collaborate with. And TBD is a great uh, eyewear manufacturer based in Milan, in Italy. And also it's um, eco-development, uh, it's sustainable, you know, it's acetate and it's bioacetate. So everything is done properly buy them. And they do fantastic glasses. And I I found this brand when I was in Florence last year and we contacted them and we set up a collaboration and we're launching our first sunglasses now in April together with TBD. Um, And um, it will be a first, uh, well, first time ever we're doing any, (laughs) we're doing eyewear. So we'll see how that goes. But um, I think it's important to work with people who know what they're doing. That's the same thing if we would do, uh, you know, sneakers or whatever we might do, that we do it with people who know how to do it.
1: And you've done another one with the Bayona Espadrilles from Spain, I gather.
2: Yeah, well, actually Bayona is a, is a French brand, but it's from the Basque country. And the Basque country is on both sides of the, of the border. So the company's French and the shoes are done on the uh, Spanish side of the, of the border, but still in the Basque country. And Espadri is a Basque typical shoe that has been around for ages. Uh, but often you buy them for five euros and they fall apart after two seconds. or you, you know, you, you, they get wet and they smell horribly. And these are kind of like the Rolls Royce of Espadri And Bayona had been doing them for over 150 years. It's still a family-run business. And I fell in love with, with these shoes when I saw them in Saint-Jean-de-Luz and in Biarritz last summer and contacted the family. And they uh, love the brand and they love to do a collaboration. And that's why we're doing this a limited edition espadrille together with Bayona for this collection so this spring summer and they will be out i think in a couple of weeks
1: so are they dual branded
2: yes they're dual branded just like tbd i mean we never if we do a collaboration obviously we put forward the brand we work with And we're very proud to be able to work with both tbd and with bayona it's a beautiful brand and a beautiful uh story really a family story so um uh, they will be uh on the on on the front page together with us
1: and what's your take on the traditional polo shirt? Because you don't go for that logo branding, do you?
2: Well, I think there's two things. First of all, I think that I, I used to do advertising for Lacoste and I think they do an amazing work with their with their polos. And I think sometimes why do something that somebody is already doing very, very well, unless you do it differently or you do it better, which is difficult when you look at a Lacoste polo that they've been doing since the 20s. And I think that a lot of people say, why don't you do a polo? I said, well, if we do a polo, it should be different and it should be, it needs to have some kind of a, a Rondorf twist to it. And I looked at the uh, bicycle uh, polos of the 60s that people wore in the Tour de France, and they all were zipped. And I thought that was kind of cool to do it differently. So we've done a, uh, what we call the RD polo, and it's always with a zip, so it can be worn totally open, half open, or it can be uh, closed up like a turtleneck. So it gives you a functional benefit that a classic polo doesn't have, and of course, a different look. And then I think also we have the double eyelets and we put them on the side. I think we're very proud of being a brand that doesn't put a Rondorf logo all over the place. We don't have an animal. We don't have a horse. We don't have a crocodile. We have the two eyelets and they're on the side of the polo. And I think it's for people who do not need an animal on their chest. And if they want an animal, well, they can find it at polo or lacoste.
1: (laughs) And how important is quality and longevity to your pieces?
2: Well, I think that when people talk about sustainability and durability, I mean, there's been a lot of marketing, and not least from Scandinavian brands over the last years, and now people are getting fed up with it. But it was a lot of, oh, we go to the coast of Greenland and we'll, we will fish plastic bubbles and bring them back and make it into swimwear. And nobody buys that anymore. And, of course, it's not sustainable and it's not durable. Uh, and it's it's a marketing ploy. But I think it's very important, is and we. Did some qualitative research with our consumers in New York, London, and Paris. And people said, a brand like yours, the price you have, we assume obviously that you are sustainable and you're durable. And for me, the durability comes also from the fact that we're not fast fashion. Whatever you buy with Rondorf, it's cut in a timeless fashion. We do not change our models every two seconds. 35% of what we sell are RD essential. So they're literally the same and they're never on sale. But when you buy something, I mean, I'm sitting with a T-shirt that I, you know, I it's a prototype for, I think, it's six years old. I'm still wearing it and it's still perfectly fine. And that's why we say it's not just for a season. It could be for many years. It can even be for a lifetime. And I think that's a durability, uh, a true one that you, you pay a price for it. But the quality is there and it lasts for a long time, not only in terms of quality, but in terms of a cut and design. I
1: gather that swimwear is an important category for you and a growing category. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think people enter the brand through our underwear. And uh, then, of course, the swimwear is kind of like a spin-off on, on, on underwear. It's one of the most difficult things to do. It seems so easy. And I re- realized that myself, not coming from the textile business, that we'd made some horrible swimwear in the beginning. I was like, why does it look this awful? And then you realize it's very difficult to do. But when you do it, you get it right then you have a great product. And the swimwear has gone through the roof over the last, uh, I would say, three years. And now is around 25% of sales, yearly sales. Because, of course, also people do not only go on holiday in June. And most brands, they come up with a swimwear collection in April, and it's sold uh, on sale as of August. We sell our swimwear throughout the year because people actually go on holiday throughout the year. And they want some nice swimwear and not necessarily buy it in the gift shop at the hotel with some palm trees or coconuts on it, prints on them.
1: But do you have any specific design themes going into spring, summer 23?
2: Well, I think the brand, once again, we, we, we would never put monkeys or uh, palm trees or coconuts, prints and so on. I mean, other brands do that perfectly well. I think we are very, very uh, minimalist brand. I like it when it's just plain colors. So, of course, we always have new colors. New colors are very much inspired by the Amalfi uh, Coast, where we, we, we the inspiration this year is the Amalfi Spring Mood. So colors like... Um, uh, inspired by a certain destination, uh, can, can be in there. But also what the brand stands for is stripes, stripes in all kinds of ways. And this is something that, of course, we we reinvent every season. And uh, the new pattern that we are launching for this year, checked prints, and we'll see how that goes. But I think something very graphic is, is Rondorf, and uh, prints with Mickey Mouse on and so on is not at all the brand.
1: We'll be back for more In Conversation after this short ad
0: break. I'm Tom Shearsmith, News Editor at TheIndustry.Fashion. And I'm here to remind you that every day we dedicate ourselves to producing daily news features and insights to keep our readers up to date and ahead of the curve of events changing the UK fashion market, such as breaking stories, interviews and analysis. Remember to check in every day to stay up to date. All of our content is free to view, and why not sign up for our free daily update newsletter.
1: And who is your real target market, and how do you best keep them engaged?
2: Well, I think, first of all, uh, it's, the Americans are very good with abbreviations, but they have this target called Henry's, and it means high earners, not rich yet. And I think it's very much a key uh, core target. It's guys between 30 and 40. Um, they have a lot of money. They're not gazillionaires, but they they earn a, a, g- a good salary and um, they are not afraid of spending online or offline as long as the quality is there. These guys, they will not go in and pay 2000 euros for a sweatshirt that says Balenciaga on it and it's made in Bangladesh, but they will go in and buy a sweatshirt for 300 euros if it's great quality and it's made in Europe. And they can use more than three times. So it's a clever consumer who is not a fashion freak, but is fashion conscious. And I think these guys, you see them, they have more in common over the different cities they live in, for example, Berlin, Paris, London, New York, LA, than probably with a lot of people in their own country. So it's people who are global trotters who are flying around the world, they go on holiday left, right and center. And once again, it's not jet setters, it's not gazillionaires, but it's people who work hard and they live well. But yet some
1: 30% of Rondorf sales now come from the US, is that correct?
2: Well, actually, even 35% now online, plus what we do offline with the, the, the big flagship store in New York. And, and and it's also that's something, once again, we were lucky. One day, we just realized that we had all these people buying from the States, and we didn't really understand why, because we had no investment in the US whatsoever. And sometimes you're just lucky. If something happens, it could be word of mouth. and I think a lot has to do with the whole, say, we had in St. Bart and in Mykonos. A lot of Americans who then went back to New York and to LA and, and talked about the brand and started started wearing it. And since we delivered online to the States, they started buying it and their friends started buying it. And suddenly it became a number one market, far bigger than France, far bigger than the UK and, and Germany. And it still is. And it's it's very interesting to see how that market keeps on just really moving ahead with a rather modest investment because we're a small brand still.
1: Does social media play a major part in raising your brand profile there and and anywhere else?
2: Yeah, I think that when we looked at uh, qualitative research and and asked people where they'd seen Rondorf, either it was word of mouth or it was our Instagram. The Instagram communication, both advertising that is targeted to certain types of, of, you know, target groups, but also our own Instagram channel is highly appreciated. It gives the the the, the look and feel of the brand. And that's how people often go, they discover us on Instagram and then they move in on the site and they look at the products or they go into a store and they try it out and see what, what, what we're all about. And what is your uh, made close to home philosophy? Once again, sustainability and durability. When people say, "Oh, we do organic cotton and uh, it's handmade," but then and it's and it's all done in and helping the third world and it's done in Bangladesh and then they fly it back with a jumbo jet uh, from Shenzhen, it's not very sustainable. And I think that's a little bit of a, a BS situation. I think close to home is basically saying we try to make whatever we make in terms of products as close. As possible to where we are and our warehouse that is catering to the entire world is in Paris that so everything comes into Paris whatever we can do in France we do in France well, whatever we can do in Portugal we do in Portugal or in Spain or in Italy etc etc and everything has been brought back on tr- by train when possible or otherwise by lorries no planes whatsoever and whatever we have to do in the far east not a lot but the cashmere for example is made uh, in China it goes back by train. It takes two months, but it goes back by train over Russia, Poland, Germany, and into France. And it's also a way to be sustainable uh, uh, and, and be, be true. And, 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 and I would say it's a, a philosophy of the brand and not just a, a marketing ploy. So 85% now of what we make uh, of everything, accessories and uh Clothing is made in Europe, and literally, I would say, seventy percent of it is made in Portugal. So it's uh, it's driven down from Porto to Paris overnight, and that's what I'm. What we mean with close to home to try to make everything as close as possible to where we then ship it out from. Okay,
1: and um, what was your background prior to launching Bondov?
2: Well, you don't want to know. I was, uh, actually, I studied at Stockholm School of Economics, and as everybody did in those days. I went on to London and uh, uh, worked in investment banking. Hated it from day one and realized it was really not my cup of tea. Then I did some um, post-war and contemporary art studies at Sotheby's, just to forget about the banking uh, circus. And then I wanted to learn French and be a slightly more creative, and moved to Paris. Uh, didn't speak a word of French, which was a bit complicated at the beginning and worked in advertising. And I set up an advertising agency specialized in luxury and fashion brands called B2C Lux, which is still around. And we ran clients like Louis Vuitton, Lacoste, Giorgio uh, Armani, Van Cleef & Arpels, et cetera, et cetera. And then I started working on Rondorf in parallel to, in the kitchen, literally in the kitchen in the evening, uh, while running this advertising agency until 2015. Interesting
1: stuff. So what else can we expect from Rondorf this year and looking ahead to 2024?
2: Well, what can we expect? <laughs> well, it will be a beautiful, uh, when it finally comes out in May, I think the uh, the, the Mykonos Boy-Jackio collaboration is going to be great. So if anyone is on planning their holiday this summer, they should definitely come by Mykonos. It will be uh, an amazing show. Um, and then, of course, the uh, big Swedish-inspired uh, collection that comes out in August, and that will run up to uh, until Christmas, we are also, for the first time, uh, launching a resort collection. It comes out in November because, as I said, a lot of people travel outside May, June, July, and August. Uh, so we're doing our first, very first resort collection, and it comes out in November. And then next year, uh, for spring 24, we are collaborating. As I said, I can't give you the name, unfortunately, about the brand yet, but it's a French women's and children's brand, high-end, premium, beautiful brand, and we're doing a collection together around dad and mom as they say, in America.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. Listen, Klaus, thanks very much for joining us today. It's been an interesting chat.
0: It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. If this fashion leader's story inspired you, why not head over to our website at theindustry.fashion or find us on your favourite podcast platform where you can hear from many more leading industry figures. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be sure that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review or rating. If you would like to suggest names that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop us a line at press at theindustry.fashion. And remember to visit www.theindustry.fashion for your daily fashion fix and to sign up for our free daily update newsletter.